Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. house to worship his name. Amen. Exodus chapter 38, I want to read the first three verses there, beginning with verse 1. And he made an altar of burnt offering of shittim wood. Five cubics was the length thereof, and five cubics the breadth thereof. And it was four square and three cubits the height thereof. And he made the horns thereof on the four corners of it, and the horns thereof were of the same, and he overlaid it with brass. And he made all the vessels of the altar, the pots and the shovels and the basins and the flesh hooks and the fire pins, and all the vessels thereof made he of brass. Verse 38 and verse 1, chapter 38 and verse 1 says, And he made the altar of burnt offering. And I simply just want to talk about the altar. The altar. Amen. Aren't you thankful for the altar and what it means to you in your life? Why don't you right now, let's just look to the Lord for his anointing, his touch. In the remainder of this service, we need his help, his blessing to be upon us. Jesus, we need you. We need the touch of the Lord. We need the help of the Holy Ghost. As we continue in this service, I pray your hand would be upon us. Pray, God, that you would bless every person in this room today through the Word of God. Let it minister to them. Let it help them. Let it strengthen their soul. In the name of the Lord Jesus, would you give some worship again to the Lord before we're seated? Praise God. Praise God. Thank you so much. You may be seated. I want to say from the outset this morning that a proper understanding of some things in the Word of God only comes to us through revelation. How many understands what I'm talking about? Many things that we receive and the depth of it that we receive doesn't come from our own understanding really doesn't matter how many times, and I think this is necessary, but just by us putting forth the effort to do this alone without the help of God and the anointing of God to open up our minds and hearts, uh, this will not do, but we can read it over and over again, and that by itself will not suffice. For 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14 says, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. This is why converts are not many times made through debate. And I understand that we've had debates in the past, not necessarily here, but in our movement. Uh, scriptorians have came together and debated certain portions of Scripture, and I believe that iron sharpeneth iron, and 
I suppose that they serve a purpose of strengthening people's position in the church and helping us in our understanding to greater get a greater understanding of certain aspects of the scripture. But usually converts are not made through debate. In fact, the Apostle Paul admonished his son in the gospel, Titus, in 3 and 9, but avoid foolish questions and genealogies and contentions and strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and vain. The word of God is only profitable to us as the Lord helps us and opens up our minds and our hearts to receive the word of the Lord. Can I tell you that it is vitally important that we fully grasp certain aspects of the things of God, particularly in the Word of God, because it's very crucial that our concept of God and His ways be correct. And there's a lot of things that we could talk about today. We, of course, know the importance of the Godhead and understanding the Godhead. We know that in our walk with God and our worship towards God, it's very important that we have an understanding of that and a grasp on that. But the enemy, he doesn't mind us just sitting in an apostolic church service, sitting on these pews this morning as long as we remain clueless, as long as we lack understanding about what's really going on. He doesn't mind us even participating in the songs and the worship service As long as our lives are not affected, as long as it doesn't change our thinking, as long as we are not impacted in the way that we live and everything about it just remains superficial. You see, the devil knows that if you ever receive a real revelation about some things, it's going to change the way that you look at certain portions of Scripture. It's going to change your aspect and the way that you live for God and serve God. It's going to change your whole approach to God. No, the devil doesn't mind a church full of clueless people. But he knows that if just one person gets an understanding, that they can do a lot of damage to the kingdom of darkness. And when we study the Old Testament tabernacle, Uh, There's some very powerful foreshadowings of what is to come uh, and what we know today is our relationship with Jesus Christ. And we know by examining the Word of God that different pieces of the furniture within the Old Testament tabernacle are representative of certain things in our relationship with the Lord in the New Testament. There is, of course, the... Ark of the Covenant, which is representative and symbolic of the presence of God that dwells between or dwelt between the cherub, cherubs that were on top of the Ark of the Covenant. And then there's so many other things that is represented in the Ark of the Covenant. Of course, the Word of God that was within it, uh, the Ten Commandments, and then the rod of Aaron that budded symbolic of miracles, the pot of manna, which was symbolic of the provision of the Lord, and several other things that we could talk about today. And then in the Old Testament tabernacle, there was the table of showbread. There was the candlesticks and the brazen laver. 
And then there was what is commonly referred to as the brazen altar. The term brazen altar tells us about what it was made of, but it doesn't tell us a whole lot about what it was made for. It tells us about its substance and the material of it, but it doesn't tell us a lot about its utility. It tells us about how God designed it, but it does not tell us the emphasis of that altar. But when you closely examine this particular altar, you'll find that it was more correctly called the altar of burnt offerings. The altar of burnt offerings. Understand that each one of these pieces of furniture had a specific emphasis upon them. We call it the Ark of the Covenant. We call it the altar of incense. It was the table of showbread. It was the candlesticks for light in the Old Testament tabernacle. It was the labor for the washing of the priest. And the scripture teaches us that it was the altar for burnt offering. I think that's a very important detail. And in the study of the word of the Lord, you will find that there are five fundamental offerings of the Old Testament. And I just want to uh, speak about them briefly here this morning. There was uh, the sin offering. And of course, the sin offering was when a person transgressed against God. And they would bring a sin offering to make things right between them and God. This was, of course, a mandatory offering. This sacrifice was required because of sin that had been committed in a person's life. We know that the book of Hebrews tells us in the 11th chapter in the 22nd verse, and without the shedding of blood is no remission. In other words, from the very beginning when he instituted the tabernacle and that first brazen altar or altar of burnt sacrifice was built there and the first offering was placed upon it. We understand that there was a purpose in it all. And throughout the entire word of the Lord, you see the blood. And the blood was the only thing that could answer the sin issue in people's lives. Of course, in the Old Testament, it was blood that only pushed the blood of bulls and goats that only pushed sin ahead to a later day. But I'm so thankful that I know the spotless lamb, the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. And the scripture tells me that his blood not just covers, but it cleanses us from all of our sin. Aren't you thankful for the blood of Jesus Christ? Aren't you thankful for the cleansing blood of the lamb? If you're thankful for the cross of Calvary and what Calvary means to us and the power that is within it, you ought to clap your hands and give praise to the Lord today. Hallelujah. I'm thankful that you can still come to the altar and you can still deal with the sin issue in your life. You don't have to stay bound in sin. 
You don't have to stay incarcerated by the darkness of sin. But you can come to an altar and the blood of Jesus can be applied to your life through you repenting of your sins, being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and being filled with the wonderful gift of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. I thank God that I have that opportunity. I thank God for the blood of Jesus that is still available and accessible today. Not only was there the sin offering, but there was the trespass offering. The trespass offering represented the sins that were committed in omission. These were sins that were committed in error unknowingly. Of course, there are sins of commission Sins that are committed with knowledge of God being displeased in them. But then there are sins of omission. Sins that are committed unwittingly and in error. Not knowing necessarily how God felt or that God had commanded a certain decree on an issue or situation in a person's life. That would be a sin of omission if you transgressed in that way. And you did not know where that line was, but you crossed over it. And then later, you found yourself guilty of that sin. That is a sin of omission. And uh, the trespass offering would take care of those sins of omission. And when they had failed to please God and what God wanted them to do, it was mandatory that they bring an offering. It was a required offering. There was no choice. Sin has to be dealt with. When it comes to sin, you'll notice that every one of these offerings that deal with the sin issue, uh, these were required mandatory offerings that had to be brought and had to be given unto the Lord. There was no escaping it. There was no other choice in the matter. No other options in how to deal with sin. And that's the way it is in this day that we live today. God has given us an option to come to an altar. But really, amen, if we choose not to, that's the only way that sin can be dealt with in our lives. You cannot opt out of coming to an altar of repentance. You can't look for some other method or way to take care of sin. It doesn't matter how many steps or programs that you go through. It will not deliver you from sin. There's only one thing that you can do, and that's come to an altar and repent of your sin. Whether it be a sin of commission, a sin by choice, amen, crossing lines with a decision in mind that I know that this is not right, but I'm still sinning, or whether it be a sin of omission, not knowing that God was displeased with it, and then suddenly coming to the house of God and being convicted of that sin. Sin still has to be dealt with. Sin still has to be brought to the altar. Sin, amen, has to be dealt with with the blood of Jesus Christ. That was the sin, that was the sin uh, or the trespass offering that was given. And that's how it was resolved. And it was a mandatory offering. And uh, it was important that they keep short accounts with God. Just like it's important for us. The Bible said don't let the sun go down on your wrath. It's important that we keep short accounts with God. 
that we, we not let things linger in our lives, but we deal with those things. When God touches us, when God convicts us, there's a reason why we feel that conviction. There's a reason why God is dealing with us in that way. If you feel uneasy about something, you feel like God is displeased, don't, don't just trample over that. Don't just turn that off. Don't just ignore that. That is a device that God has inherently put in all of us to keep us and to help us to be able to walk with Him and be sensitive to Him and to ultimately be saved. I don't want to do anything to cause uh, the Spirit of God to be grieved, but when the Spirit deals with me, I want to be adherent to it. I want to be obedient. I want to be receptive to God dealing with me. I don't want to let things linger. If I got a grudge against a brother or sister in the Lord, I want to go take care of that. Amen. If I need to ask forgiveness for something, I want to go and take care of that. I want to get to the altar just as fast as I can. Matter of fact, there doesn't need to be anything inhibiting you from coming to an altar and getting things right. You shouldn't let anything stand between you and your relationship with God. Everything else besides your relationship with God is minuscule. But I want to tell you that your relationship with God is something that you ought to hold precious to your heart and say, God, I don't want anything to get between you and me. And I want to get it taken care of. And God, you have provided for me an advocate where I can do that. I can boldly approach the throne of grace and find help. I might find myself weak. I might feel like I'm not strong enough to do it. But if I'll make steps to the altar, he said, if you'll draw nigh unto me, I'll draw nigh unto you. If you'll make steps towards me, I'll make steps towards you. Amen. Praise God. It's so important that we realize that our need of keeping short accounts with God. And then there was the meat offering. and This was a volunteer offering. This was voluntary. It was celebration of communion with God. This, in essence, was, was worship unto the Lord. There are times when we just need to come around this front in the presence of the Lord, just like we did a little while ago. There was no formal altar invitation that was given. Nobody was asking anyone to come down to the front, but they felt the tug of God upon their heart. They sensed the presence of the Lord in the building. And they could feel that magnetism of the Spirit that I've just got to draw a little closer to Him. Somebody said, why does Pentecostal folks always come up around the front? Why are they always going to the altar area? I'll tell you why. It's not that God can't touch us out there between the pews. But I found out and you found out that when we make an effort when we put ourselves out a little bit, when we physically step out of our comfort zone and say, I want to draw closer to the Lord. I want to do whatever's necessary. I want to show God that I'm putting forth some sacrifice and some effort. That's what the meat offering was. It was voluntary. They didn't have to do it. But if you love me, you can bring an offering to me. Is there anybody that comes to the church house this morning with that kind of attitude and that kind of spirit? 
Nobody's making me. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not here because my arm's been twisted. I'm not here because somebody hung it over my head. I'm not here because of any other reason that I love him. I'm thankful for what he's done for me. He delivered me. He set me free. He saved me. He healed my body. He's given me miracle after miracle. He's answered my prayers. He's provided for me in my life. There was times I didn't know what I was going to do or where I could turn. Amen. And he came through and he rescued me. I believe I'll raise a meat offering to him. I believe I'll give him a sacrifice of praise. I believe I'll lift my hands not because anybody's asking me to do it. Just because I love him and I want to praise him. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. I'm just glad to be in the house of God. I'm glad to be in the presence of the Lord. I'm glad to feel what I feel and enjoy what I enjoy and have this experience of the Holy Ghost. I got a lot to be thankful for. Is there anybody else in this place this morning? You've got something to be thankful for. You've got something to praise God about. You've got something to lift your voice about. You've got something to clap your hands about. You've got something that puts running in your feet. You've got something that puts leaping in your legs. You've got something that makes you want to worship God and praise the Lord. Oh, somebody said you better hold back. It's Sunday morning. Hey, we only got one service today. We may as well put everything we've got into this one service. Amen. I'm so thankful. Nobody has to charge me up. Nobody has to say the right cue words to get me on my feet. Oh, I'm spring-loaded when I come to church because he's done so much for me. Amen. I don't need somebody to trip a wire for me to get on my feet and to praise the Lord. I don't need somebody to say Pentecostal buzzwords for me to get an excitement in my soul. I'm so thankful to be a part of the blood-bought church, the body of Christ. I'm thankful for an opportunity to be here. Well, go ahead and worship him. Go ahead and praise him. Go ahead and magnify him. Go ahead and lift him up. Some of you have been six weeks. You haven't been able to come here to the house of God, but you're here today. Amen. Why? Because God has been good to us. Oh, yeah. That's what that was. It was a voluntary. Nobody's making me do it. Oh, yeah. Nobody's forcing it. Nobody's pressuring. Amen. I get so sick of, of, of feeling like things got to be cooked up, pushed, and, 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 and people's got to be cheerleading. People's got to, oh, come on. We, we got we to gotta do something to get you all stirred up. We got to try pull some other rabbit out of the hat next week to get people. Come on, that's not what this is about. If you got the Holy Ghost, you got the only thing you need to start your engine. If you got the Holy Ghost, you got all all the spark plug you need right there. If you got the Holy Ghost, that's what the problem is. Some folks aren't filled with the Holy Ghost like they need to be. They're not staying full of the Spirit of God like they need to be. But you get what I'm talking about. It gets in your hands. It gets in your feet. Oh, it gets in your mouth. You want to praise God and worship God. Hallelujah. 
That's right. Then, of course, that was not the only. There was a fourth offering that was called a, a peace offering, which was also voluntary. It was an offering celebrating the fact that there was peace between God and an individual. There's nothing quite like having peace between you and God. Being able to lay your head down on your pillow at night, knowing that if the Lord should come before the dawn, everything's all right between he and I. There, there's a certain tranquility and peace. You know, it doesn't take quaaludes to get this kind of peace. It doesn't take medical help to get this kind of peace. It doesn't take alcohol. It doesn't take drugs to get this kind of peace. But you can come, amen, to an altar. And you can find the peace of God that takes away the weight of sin and the burdens of the world and the heartbreak of life. And there's a peace that the scripture says that passeth all understanding. There's so much that, that we that we try to understand. We, we, we think that if I can understand this, then I can accept this. If I can get my mind around this, then, then I, could, I could accept it. And I, if I had an understanding, then I'd have peace about it. Oh, but the Lord said there may be some questions that linger in your mind, but you can still have peace in your heart if you're walking with me. There may be some things that you don't understand about this life and walking in this earth, but if you have the peace of God, you can still have rest for your soul. You can still know that everything's all right. There's, there's something about having peace in your heart with God. And when you have peace with God, it's easier to have peace with men. The Bible said, follow peace with all men. Amen. I believe that, that when you've got vertical peace, you can have horizontal peace. There'll be peace in your home, peace in your family, as you have peace with God. I'm thankful for the peace of the Lord. But this last, and, and I'm not going to be very much longer, but this last one that I want to emphasize here this morning, it was known as the burnt offering. It was also a voluntary offering. You did not have to bring a, a burnt offering. But it was, the scripture said, a sweet-smelling savor unto God. Now, I want you to think about that. This was total, when, when you're talking about a burnt offering, it was total consuming of the sacrifice that was given. Now you just think about that for a moment. That was not sweet-smelling savor to man. You smelt burning flesh. You smelt something that is overcooked. Can you imagine that that all that that was not offered and then parceled out to the other priesthood? You know that many of these sacrifices, such as meat offering and other ones, was was brought. And then after the sacrifice was given, a lot of times portions of that was given to the priesthood to supply them for their sustenance. But this was not a this was not an offering that was parceled out. As a matter of fact, he said, I want all of it or none of it. It's your option to bring it. It's a voluntary offering, but if you bring it, I want it all. And I want you to place it there 
and it's going to be consumed. It's going to be consumed. And it's where in the Hebrew it calls it hala, where we get the word holocaust. And it's a total consuming on the altar. It's a sacrifice that is given completely. When you decide that you're going to put an emphasis on this altar, God said, when I put an emphasis on this altar, he said, I, I want to I give you some instructions about it. It's not going to be like the trespass offering. It's not going to be like the sin offering. It's not going to be like the meat offering. It's not going to be like the peace offering. I'm going to place an emphasis on it. I know it's brass, which represents judgments overlaid with brass, which represents judgment. But this is what I want it to be known as. I don't want it to be known as a mandatory piece of furniture, even though there's going to be mandatory offerings that are going to take place. And if the only way that you ever view the altar in the church is as a mandatory piece of furniture, you're missing it in your relationship with God. And I'm not talking about a piece of furniture per se. I'm talking about a place that we come and we yield ourselves to God. I'm not talking about a wooden structure up here. Sometimes that's important that we come and we bow and whatever. But, but more than that, it's a condition of the heart. And when we talk about this uh, coming to the altar at the end of a service, at the end of this service, we'll give what is called an altar appeal. And when we do that, if you only see that as mandatory, well, i got to go down to the altar. You're missing it in your relationship with God. Hey, it's a privilege every time the altar is opened for us to be able to come to the altar and come down and bend our knees before God or stand in His, whatever the, whatever the situation is, when we lift up our hands and surrender to God. There's, there, I don't want to look at that at mandatory. You've offered me grace. You've offered me the blood that I can come and, and be cleansed by. You've offered me the opportunity to come and feel and be rejuvenated and restored. In your, if there's something that is, uh, if there's something that has been broken down in my relationship with God, it can be repaired at the altar. I don't look at it as mandatory. Oh, I gotta go down there. I, I gotta dedicate. I gotta give this up. I gotta give that to God. I gotta dedicate. No, that's not what he's looking for. He said, I want it to be a voluntary uh, decision on your part that when you come to the altar, amen. But I want you to know that when you make that decision, when you step out and you make that choice, uh, it is a, a choice that you're making that says, I'm totally one. 100% completely giving it all to you. If you come, I don't want just a parcel. I don't want just a portion, but I want all of it. I want everything. I don't just want a part. I want it all. And that's what God requires of us in living for Him, really. But in are serving God, there's going to come points in our lives that God's going to deal with us and He's going to give us opportunity. It's not a salvation issue. It's not a, but it's a getting closer to Him issue. It's drawing nearer to Him issue. It's being used of Him in a greater way issue. It's a greater anointing issue. Uh, Brother Philip and I was talking as we were driving home from the wedding uh, last evening or early this morning. 
think we got in about 3.30. And some of these boys got in later than that. But anyway, as we was driving home, we were talking about degrees of being closer to God and relationship with God and how that some men and some people that we've known over the years have a closer relationship with the Lord and God speaks to them. I'm going to tell you, they didn't get that by not visiting this altar that I'm talking about. You have to be willing to give it all. You have to be willing to sell out. You have to be willing to dedicate. It was an altar. He said, I want it to be called the altar for burnt offering. There's a lot of other things that may transpire here, but this is a place of completeness. This is a place of dedication. This is a place of consecration. This isn't going to be an altar where you're forced to come. But if you choose to come to it, get ready to give everything. Is an altar of total dedication in the Lord. As you stand with me, musicians, please come. I heard a story, and I didn't hear it. I heard it second person, uh, and I heard it second-handed. I didn't hear it from Brother Augs, but Brother Augs pastored a particular state years ago, and he had some young people that they going to take them to camp, to a campgrounds. And uh, he, he wasn't going to be able to stay all week, but he had a young man that had never been to camp, but he had proven himself, and he was going to be a, well, he was going to be one of those chaperones that would stay with the children while they were at camp. Only unusual thing about this young man is that he was blind see but he had a heart for God he loved God but even with this disability he could manage to get around incredibly once he ever kind of learned the layout of a place he he could find his his way around didn't have any problem finding where he wanted to go after he kind of knew his surroundings and Brother Augs knew this and so when they got there there was a big old line for registration and got the kids in line and they got somebody to stand with them. He said, here, I got somebody to stand with these kids. He said, I'm going to have to go here in a little bit. Just got a little bit of time. So I want to show you around the campgrounds because he knew this trait that this young man had that if he could get him and let him let him get in an area and kind of get a feel for things then he would be okay. And he said, I'm going to take you to the dormitory and I'm going to take you over here show you where the gymnasium is in case you've got to take the kids over there. I'm going to show you the entrance to the tabernacle and I'm going to, I'm going to show you where the concession area is. And that man stopped him. He said, Brother Hogs, Pastor, I, I know that you're busy and you can go on after you do this one thing. He said, All I want and the only place I ask you to take me to, I want you to take me to the altar. I want you to show me where the altar is. He said, because I told the Lord before I ever got here that I was going to work for him at the altar this week and I was going to give myself to praying kids through in that altar. And he said, if I can find the altar, if you'll show me that rest of it, I'll find somebody else. Rest of it, I'll find my way somehow. But I want to know where the altar is. Everything else really doesn't matter. I'm going to tell you the altar still needs to be the centerpiece of our lives. In these times that we're living in, 
It's the people that had the altar in the center of their lives that have been able to survive. It's the people that's had the altar in the center of their lives that have been managed to have faith and hope and been able to keep themselves enthused in their relationship with God. I wonder, I'm giving a volunteer altar appeal. Amen. But if you come, are you willing to dedicate? Are you willing to give all? I ask you, are you willing to come and say, here, I lay it all on the altar today. I give it all to Jesus today. I surrender everything to Him. As they begin to sing, I wonder if we couldn't yield to Him and surrender our hearts to Him and open, open ourselves to what God is doing in this place. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.